Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of T1 Talks. This is a podcast where we aim to share our experiences living with type 1 diabetes to build a sense of community for diabetics, both type 1 and 2. We want to dispel any myths about what it means to be a type 1 and increase diabetic awareness through our stories. I'm Gianna, a type 1 diabetic of 14 years and a recent graduate at the College of New Jersey. And I'm Victoria. I'm a medical student from Saskatchewan, Canada, and I was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in March of this year. And this week we are back to finish round two two of the most Googled questions about diabetes. If you missed the last episode, we did about 15 questions. We have about 15 more, but these are a lot quicker. This episode is probably going to be pretty short. Definitely make sure you go back and listen to the first part of this episode if you haven't already. It's a long one. We answered a lot of questions in depth, so we'd really appreciate it if you took the time to go listen to it. So if you guys remember, we finished off by talking about looking after your feet, which was literally halfway through our 30. And so we're going to start right back into it with number 16, which is why are diabetics thirsty? So for me, this was probably like the first symptom that I really remember clearly and it's this thirst that just doesn't go away it doesn't matter how much you drink and that's because when our sugars are really high it actually increases the number of essentially sugar particles in our blood making it sweeter which increases what we call the osmolality which is just sort of the number of particles in our blood and so to get rid of it when we're diabetic since it's not getting into our cells our kidneys just filter it out into our pee. And now you guys have to remember those brave old doctors who used to drink the pee to taste the sugar. (laughs) And unfortunately, you can't just pee out sugar. That would be uncomfortable. And so the sugar, the glucose, draws water with it when the kidneys filter it out. And so because we're peeing out lots of sugar, we're also peeing out lots of water. And so we're thirsty because we pee so much. So we aren't drinking to make ourselves pee more. We're peeing lots and so we have to drink. So essentially, if we don't drink to keep up, we become dehydrated and this whole process stops and we become at really high risk for diabetic ketoacidosis because we pee out all of our water, but we can't keep peeing when we run out of water and so then everything starts to build up. Essentially, by feeling thirsty, we're just making up for the water we lose by peeing all the time. I think the bathroom breaks are definitely something that you have to get used to as a diabetic because for probably the first well maybe even still today I just get super uncomfortable with having to continuously ask people if they mind if I use the bathroom whether that be at work in class when I'm living with my roommate and I have to wake them up in the middle of the night because I need to use the bathroom it's just very frustrating to have to go all the time and I can understand how sometimes it can feel like such an inconvenience or something that's disrupting what you're doing but I also think it's something that you definitely get used to and when you boil it down, it's really your body telling you that it needs to get that sugar out of there. And it's kind of awesome how it's trying to help you get your blood sugar down because it knows that there's a problem when usually diabetics are used to their bodies attacking itself. Totally. And it's an interesting like physiologic response, obviously, to having high sugar. But lots of things make us thirsty too, like salty foods and things like that. And I guess that leads us into our next question, which is why are diabetics always hungry? And I really wish I knew the answer to this one because, well, even if I'm not always hungry, I'm always hungry at the worst times. And I think it has a lot to do with my diabetes because I was just telling Victoria before this episode, I was having a low and I didn't want to eat anymore. And I had to eat a lot to 
compensate for it. And then, you know, half the time my sugar is high and I can't eat anything. And always during those moments are when I want to eat the most or when I'm sitting with other people and have to watch them eat. And it's so incredibly frustrating, but it's all tied to those symptoms of lows and highs. So I think it really depends on where your sugar lies. And then besides that, I think it's just up to the individual. If they happen to be someone that's always hungry, then there's someone that's always hungry. Yeah, there's so much that goes into being hungry. I know for me, like I was literally starving before I was diagnosed. And nowadays I'm a lot less hungry. But there really are two things here, which you already mentioned. And those are like hungry lows and hungry highs. Obviously, hungry lows, at least for me, are easily understood. My body isn't doesn't have enough sugar, and my body says I need sugar, and so I need to eat something or drink juice or whatever I decide to use to treat my low. And honestly, like hungry highs are caused by the same mechanism because when we don't have insulin, our cells are lacking sugar, and then our body craves food. And so when our sugars are high, it's because we don't have enough insulin working in our system to help the sugars get into our cells. And so even if you eat, your sugars will just go higher, which means that the sugar still isn't getting into your cells. So they're still hungry. And so you're still hungry. And so that's why any type one diabetic needs insulin, because otherwise, it's just a hopeless cycle where you eat more, but your cells aren't getting any sugar. And so you're still hungry, so you eat more, and it just ends badly. I actually think this question kind of relates to the next one, which is why are diabetics always tired? And I think a lot of these cravings and a lot of our body's needs not being met lead to us feeling drained, and also just the fact that we're managing this all on our own. There's a lot that non-diabetics bodies do for them, and there's a lot that we have to do for ourselves. And personally, with the way my diabetes is right now, a lot of what I eat and when I eat is dictated by what my blood sugar levels are. And sometimes I just ignore that and I deal with the bad symptoms, but that leads me to feeling exhausted again, which I think is just something anyone with a chronic condition can tell you happens quite frequently. On top of that, I think it's just the type of lifestyle you're living, how busy you are, and a million other little things that can make a person tired in general. Exactly. Or like medical school, but not actually because it has to be the Dexcom alarms. Literally diabetes wakes me up almost every night in one way or another. Last night though, I had no Dexcom alarms, which I'm really proud about. I got so close to a high alarm, but it didn't go off. So I was so glad. Dexcom alarms at night are the worst because you're going to stay up either worrying about your sugar or taking care of your sugar. And sometimes if my sugar's high and I correct for it, I want to just go to bed and let my pump do the rest. But my Dexcom will continuously remind me that my sugar is slowly dropping or taking a while to drop and I will be kept up for the rest of the night. Same with high blood sugar levels. I think that's another thing that will make us tired as diabetics is we are just 10 times heavier when our sugars are high, or at least that's what happens to me. Yeah. And same, like if I have a low that I really feel, it's like I, all I want to do is go to bed. (laughs) I'm done. Leave me alone. I feel that. (laughs) Which I guess leads us into our next question. Why are diabetics mean? I think a lot of people, or at least the people that are searching for this question, don't really know about the symptoms of low and high blood sugar and what happens when they're fluctuating and what that can do to your mood. And also just the stress of having to deal with a condition like this 24-7. I know I can be a little sassy when my sugar's high. That's an understatement. 
And I know if you go back to episode two where I blacked out from low blood sugar, I was having a tantrum about having to take a juice, which was going to save my life. So I could see how other people could interpret that as me being mean. But I promise you, I'm never trying to be mean. When my sugars are in check, I would like to say that I'm pretty nice. I just think it's important to remember that we're dealing with this all the time and there's usually something always going wrong. It's true. I'm honestly such a nice person. I think most of the time I definitely get grumpy when again, like when my sugar's crashing, I feel pretty grumpy. But then I also might be mean if you try to tell me what to eat because I get a little triggered. (laughs) Me too. I hate when people try to tell me how to run my diabetes in any sort of way, but especially when people try to tell me what I can and can't eat. Totally. And I think that's so much of that advice comes from like the stereotypes around diabetes and what we can and can't eat and all of those things. I think another stereotype that came up when we were doing these was our next question. Why are diabetics overweight? The short answer to this is we aren't really, but we are. Some of us are just like some other people are, but there isn't, especially type 1 diabetes, there isn't really a correlation between diabetes and being overweight, at least for type 1. And I will throw in there, I definitely think how your diabetes is managed and where your sugar levels are at can have to do with your weight because I know in my case, I definitely gained a lot of weight and I think it's probably related to the fact that I wasn't taking care of my sugars whatsoever. So they were all over the place. I was binging my foods. I was eating really non-nutritional foods, which led me to taking a ton of insulin. My basal rate was already high. And then there's all the symptoms that I was experiencing that probably led to me being hungry more often than not or me feeling drained and trying to eat thinking that I needed to. There's obviously a lot that goes into it, but I definitely think that there's a correlation somewhere in there. That's a really good point. I think that something that comes up a lot in the community is insulin itself causes weight gain. Again, like it does and it doesn't. But ultimately, like for me, I probably gained some weight after I started insulin only because I had lost a lot of weight when I was sick. And so it was sort of just me getting back to normal. The other thing insulin can do is it can cause local fat deposits to grow. So that's why you need to rotate your sites when you're using pumps. And like Gianna, I know you know this better than I do, but right, like rotating your sites is super important because you do get that like scar tissue fat deposits, but insulin doesn't actually cause weight gain. No insulin causes weight loss, but insulin itself does not cause weight gain. So that's really important to realize. High blood sugars come along with all sorts of bad complications, and one of them happens to be weight loss. (laughs) And so I think I sort of maybe already answered this, but how then does diabetes cause weight loss? I thought it was interesting that this came up as one of the most searched questions in relation to diabetes because you never really hear people talking about it, not nearly as much as it's experienced, I feel like. A lot of the times diabetes is just grouped in with the idea of obesity and it's not really talked about with weight loss at least in my experiences and from what I've seen online. Yeah I think that it's not something that people think about because there's this misconception that type 1 diabetes is diagnosed in kids and they're always really sick and you're in the hospital and all these things but definitely something almost every single type 1 diabetic will mention is that they were losing weight before they were diagnosed. It's actually one of the first symptoms that you experience that's pretty subtle. And it's just because again, like our cells are literally starving. They're not getting enough sugar. And so they mobilize fat stores, which are metabolized in a whole different pathway that's independent from insulin. And so instead of burning sugar, you're burning fat. 
I think this is a really great opportunity to bring up the idea that losing weight is strictly a good thing because I mean in your situation Victoria I know you said you were losing weight in the beginning and people kept complimenting you and saying it was a really great thing but really it was a sign of your diabetes so I think it's a situation where you need to really be careful with what you're saying because it can be damaging to a person and it also can lead people to not taking care of themselves. Always a really good point. I think we should almost just like never comment on people's weight personally. Yeah speaking as the girl who was asked if she had diabetes because she was fat, I can promise you this is a safer bet. Yeah, they're mean. So now we're going to switch gears from weight and such. And we're going to talk about infections. And specifically, one question that came up was why are diabetics high risk for COVID? So there's a lot of mixed evidence out there. And like diabetics aren't at higher risk for catching COVID, but we are at higher risk for complications from COVID or like getting sicker when we catch it. Again, like the research is sort of lacking, but I think that sort of what comes up most often is just that the high sugars or the low sugars cause more problems in hospital and also it impacts our immune system. Obviously, people have to go out when they have to go out and you have to be safe when you do that, which means like wearing a mask, washing your hands, doing those kinds of things that are recommended for everybody. I think that there's lots and lots of stay-at-home orders and things like that going around the states right now just because everything blowing up. I know that our own regulations and stuff in Canada are changing. We have to wear masks now. They're mandated indoors completely, obviously not in your own house, but anywhere else. And I don't think that there's any way to completely prevent yourself from getting COVID. And so you just have to be careful and be safe and seek care when you need it. And I think overall, most of us will be just fine. But it is scary. Like I work in the hospital, we have COVID positive patients coming out our ears right now. And it is scary, especially in the emergency department where we're the first point of contact and we don't really know who's infected and who isn't. So we wear all our gear and do the best we can to stay safe. Yeah, I think a lot of people right now are extra concerned for people that have diabetes or other similar conditions where their immune system is weakened in some sort of way, which leads us into our next question. Why are diabetics immunocompromised? So there's a couple different reasons why. One of them is just that our immune system needs to be sort of adequately fed in order to work well. And if you have high sugars or low sugars, your cells aren't getting enough food. The other things aren't fully understood, but we know that there's damage that happens from sort of having those fluctuating sugars. So in a person without diabetes, their sugars are sort of more stable versus our sugars, as we know, go up and down quite a bit. And then the other thing for type 1 diabetics especially, but I'm sure type 2 to some extent, is that it's an autoimmune disease, which means that we're actually having sort of white blood cells that are continuously being made to attack our pancreas. And the white blood cells are just being made, all of them, to attack the pancreas. And this obviously sort of just tires out the whole system. So there's a lot of things going on. But ultimately, we are more prone to infection, especially if our sugars aren't well controlled. So when you have high sugars, you're more prone to all sorts of infections, including like yeast infections, foot infections, even things like heart attacks and strokes and stuff too. So it's important to keep your sugars in check as much as you can, obviously. Aren't we so lucky? (laughs) Hashtag goals. So our next one, again, sort of medical related is, can diabetics donate blood? Gianna, I'll leave this one for you. 
We talked about this a little bit in the Diamonds episode, but I have donated blood as a type one in New Jersey. And I think most states do allow you to donate blood as a type one diabetic. You just have to have your sugars in check the day you go in or they can turn you away. I think you also have to be of a certain age limit, probably 17, I think it is for most states. But I would definitely check your state before you go in. Other countries, I'm not entirely sure about. I've heard you can't donate in the UK. Pretty sure Beyond Type 1 has an article with different countries where it talks about the laws there. And I learned a couple weeks ago that Type 1s can't donate in Canada. But Type 2s can donate if they are well controlled. Do not ask me to explain why I can't, but that's the rule. Right? It's so weird that they allow Type 2 and not Type 1 and that they allow it In certain places, you can donate as a type 1. In certain places, you can't. Doesn't make sense to me. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, next question. (laughs) Okay, so the next question was another one I thought was pretty interesting that people wanted to know. And that was, can diabetics get tattoos or piercings? And yes, we can. And I'm actually planning to get a tattoo. Hopefully, well, I... I was hoping this year, but probably not until next year because I do try to sort of avoid any unnecessary contacts like that right now with COVID. But I really want to get a medical alert tattoo on my wrist, which like I'm designed, well, my friend is signing with me and I'm super excited for it. But I do have the caveat again, just to remember the conversation we just had about infections. Obviously, you have to take really good care of any wounds that you get, especially if you're looking at getting like a foot tattoo or a lower extremity tattoo, so your feet or your hands or even like my wrist you want to make sure that you're looking after it well and if it gets infected see a doctor right away don't let things fester i am way too indecisive to get a tattoo but i will live vicariously through you and enjoy your diabetic tattoos i think that's really cool but yeah i don't know why diabetics wouldn't be able to have something like tattoos or piercings specifically because of their diabetes no and there really is no reason not to unless again like if you have really high sugars and you're not well controlled then you shouldn't just because your infection risk is so high. That makes sense. Which brings us to our last question, (laughs) which may or may not be 30. Don't ask us to count. (laughs) We're somewhere in the 30 zone, I'm sure. All right, so last question today, how can I help a diabetic? And I was really excited to see this question because that's kind of the whole reason, or at least speaking for myself, that I wanted to do this podcast was to let people know what they can do to support the diabetics in their lives and just kind of offer my perspective on what I feel I need as a diabetic. And hopefully some people are out there relating to that. But my advice would be to have patience. I think patience is key when you're with a diabetic. I think that you need to understand that this is something that we have to try and balance and manage 24-7 and there's no end to that. There's never after X amount of years I'll get rid of this or after my sugars are in range for this long I won't have to deal with it. It's something that we always have to think about, always have to live with and although it may look like we're not taking care of ourselves to you as a non-diabetic I think that there's so much more going into it that you don't see. You definitely don't see all of the symptoms and emotions and feelings and chronic fatigue and burnout. And there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes with an invisible condition that you don't know about. So I think trying not to assume anything, trying not to act like you know better than us, understanding that our moods are deeply affected by diabetes, just having that kind of patience to learn, to listen, and having the patience to wait with us while we're trying to fix our sugars. I think those are all super helpful things and things that I have found made it easier for me to feel okay about my diabetes. I can't say it better than you just said it. Honestly, I think everything you said is so spot on. The only other thing I would say is if you love me, have a juice box around. (laughs) 
<laughs> Honestly, juice is the way to my heart. Snacks are the best. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that just always being there to like listen and try to figure out what's going on with us and just asking questions I think is always key. Definitely. I love when people ask questions about my diabetes. I wish people did it more often. I think, or at least what I've run into, is that people seem to be afraid to make me uncomfortable or say something that they think is stepping over a boundary. But in my case, I've met a decent amount of other diabetics who I think can say the same. We will let you know if you're asking a question that we don't want to answer. Most things, if you're asking in a curious and not telling me I'm doing something wrong way, we would love to tell you about. The more people that are educated about how diabetes actually works and what we're actually experiencing, the better. Exactly. And so I guess that that brings us to the end of our episode where, surprise, surprise, we'll be going through our weekly goals. I'm ready. So Janet, you have to remind me because I honestly don't remember. What was your goal and how did it go? Fair enough. So last episode, my goal was to bring in food with me to work. I wanted to have something that I didn't have to pay for when I got to work so I could save a little bit of money. I also wanted something that wouldn't be as... I don't know what the word is, just not junk food for a change because I was consistently buying pretzels, chips, popcorn, whatever was in front of me at my job. And being completely honest, I only brought in food one day. I definitely could have prepared more on this one, but I have just been so swamped and you know, I'm not going to make excuses, but I will say I only did it once. I mean, it went well, but it just seems very difficult for me to transition my lifestyle into one where I'm meal prepping or bringing in foods when I've always been just kind of like grab and go. I'm consistently doing things and it's definitely difficult for me. This one was a challenge. Okay, that's so good that you brought lunch even once. Baby steps is how we make change. So I'm proud of you. Good job. Was it delicious? Yeah, I made sure to bring one of my favorite foods because I knew if I didn't, it would be hard for me to even want to eat it when I'm surrounded by all this delicious, easy to grab junk food. So I tried to think ahead on that one. It was good. Ah, you're so smart. That's such a good idea. Thanks. I try. So how about your goal for the last episode? How'd that go? So my goal was to take a walk and I did. Yay! And there's even Insta evidence of it from this past weekend. Shameless at T1 Talks plug. And it was so beautiful out. I couldn't believe it. But it was a little chilly. We decided it was minus 10 or like 14 degrees Fahrenheit, which is cold. I'm pretty jealous. I love going for walks when it's cold out, but it hasn't gotten that cold here yet. Nowhere near where you are, at least. It's a really good excuse to wear a mask outside right now when it's so cold. See, masks have many benefits. Exactly. So what's your goal this week? So for this week, I was planning to do something that I think sounds really simple, but for me is going to be a challenge, and that is to get more sleep. I've been having so many random nights recently where I just stay up super late, and then I have to wake up early for work or because I have something else to do. And it's just been affecting my mood. It's been obviously leaving me with less energy to get through the day. I'm not having time to do the things that I really want to do. And I just think this would help me in a lot of different ways overall. Totally. How many hours of sleep are you aiming for? I feel like the nights I'm referring to right now are mostly four or five hour nights, but I'd really like to aim for eight, eight and a half. Being realistic, probably going to make the minimum six hours. I'd be happy with six. Six is good. That's reasonable. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. How about you? What are you thinking about for this week? 
My goal is on repeat this week, but it's going to be to adjust my basal dose again. And I know that this goal is obviously repetitive. I think I've even done it like three times already. But honestly, it just helps me so much if I make it and make it on the podcast and then I actually do it and then it helps. So yeah, I need to adjust my basal, maybe just like add a new time or something. I haven't quite decided and then adjust my carb ratio. Yeah, I think I've said this before, but I think this is the type of goal that's going to keep coming up time and time again and just something you're always going to be working on. So I think if mentioning it in the podcast is something that helps hold you accountable, then I think that's awesome. And I really hope that by the end of your first year as a diabetic, you have found a basal rate that works great for you. Yeah, so that'll get done. And then hopefully I'll sleep a little better. We both will. I do have to just tell a super quick story because I've been on anesthesia, my anesthesia rotation. And so we start at seven in the morning, which means I'm up at like 530 every morning. Yikes. I've been trying to go to bed at like nine or 930. And it's hard, but also easy. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, your schedule has really no consistency right now. So I can't even begin to imagine what your sleep schedule looks like. Yeah, I just sleep when I sleep. Honestly, I try to keep it mostly consistent when I can. But the hours, you're right, they're just all over the place. Well, it'll be a goal for both of us then. Exactly. And so I think that that ends our episode. And so tune in next time and you can hear about our experiences with diabetic burnout and even some tips on how to avoid it and how to deal with it when it happens. So until then. As always, you can keep up with us on our Instagram at T1Talks. If you're not following us, yet I strongly recommend you follow us this month because for the month of December we will be taking all of our stickers and taking 20% of the profits we make on each one and donating that to T1 International we've talked about numerous times on this podcast and who is a leading nonprofit and fighting for insulin affordability and transparency and we just really love them because they are not taking any money from big pharmaceutical companies who are part of the reason that insulin is so expensive for diabetics these stickers are great gifts for any diabetics in your life or if you just want to be a part of supporting the diabetic community or our podcast or maybe you're a diabetic yourself and you can relate to the stickers whatever the reason may be we strongly suggest you follow us on instagram send us a dm and order your stickers this month if you're planning to just because this is the only month we are donating a portion to t1 international and it's a really good opportunity to have cute stickers that advocate while also supporting a really great and important cause outside of the stickers we'll also be posting about my diversary around the first week of december we also have a sticker giveaway coming up and we might be having our first guest on the podcast soon so there is a lot to look forward to and you definitely won't want to miss it think that's it for today we'll talk to you guys in the next one bye